0: Well, a warm welcome to all of you uh, today. It's such a privilege to be able to serve your community over the next four weeks. And on behalf of our uh, elders and our staff at Rock Point Church in Calgary, we bring you warm greetings in the name of the Lord. And I represent them and I hope I represent them well as I'm able to teach with you uh, throughout this month. Uh, As we were talking about how I could best serve your body over the month, uh, the four weeks together, One of the things we uh, talked about was a possibility of doing a sermon that in the end we've called Living the Unhurried Life. And it's a a sermon series that's gonna talk about margin and rest and Sabbath and decisions and how to live relationally, how to live counterintuitively, and ultimately how to live biblically as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So uh, you know that those topics are of incredible value to every single one of us. So let's just stop and we're gonna ask the Lord Holy Spirit to minister to us over these four weeks and to lead the way in this teaching series. So would you join me in prayer? Lord, it is such a privilege to be able to serve this wonderful congregation and these folks, and I really feel honoured to do that today, and I just pray that you would fill me with your spirit for the responsibilities that I have, that you would help me to preach well and represent the truth of scriptures well, but ultimately I know that Holy Spirit You are the one who rightly divides truth in people's hearts. So I pray for everyone who listens week by week, and especially those who listen today, that you would be at work in our hearts and that you would lead us into truth and that you would help us to live lives that are marked by living the way that Jesus lived. So move among us, we pray, even as we enter into this series. In your name we pray. Amen. So uh, let's begin with a show of hands. How many of you would say that you had a good night's sleep last night? Maybe you had more than, say, seven hours. How many of you, on the other hand, didn't get to bed till midnight, maybe one o'clock, maybe two o'clock in the morning, and had a terrible night of sleep? You know, in any congregation, in any community, there's this wide variety of our relationship to sleep. Some of us just have no trouble falling asleep, it's like that every night, and some of us are on the other end of the spectrum where it's been years since we feel like we slept really well and got any of what we call REM sleep. Here's uh, some statistics for you because it's really alarming the direction in which this is all trending in relationship to sleep in our society. In 1910, the average person slept for nine hours. Today, that number is 6.8 hours. 35% of us are accumulating what they call sleep debt, which means we're living on an hour and six minutes less on average than the recommended minimum of hours of sleep we need. On average each year, we sleep 330 less hours than we require. Last year, 17% of adults admitted to dozing off while driving at the wheel. 33% of us wish that we could grab a nap at work, and 20% of us have a sleep order of some form. And it's not just adults. 97% of teenagers and seven in 10 university students are in a place where they say they get less than the recommended hours of sleep for their demographic. So if any of that hits home, you will be encouraged to know that today's message is brought to you by the word rest, a word that many of us know very little about. We love tossing that little word around. We talk about taking rests, giving someone a rest, laying people to rest, resting our cases. But if we're honest, Many of us know very little about the true meaning of that word, and our lives are lived so far from what we could honestly call restful. We pull in for an oil change that we're there because it promises to do the oil change in 10 minutes or less. And the whole time we're on our phone trying to fight the impatience inside as the minutes tick by. Our homes and offices and vehicles, they're filled with technology that's designed to help us save time. And yet, strangely, with all of the technology in our lives, our lives are no more restful than they were five or 10 or 20 years ago. Getting more done in less and less time adds up to lives that are lived at a frenetic pace day after day after day after day. As our teaching series title suggests, we're gonna spend the next month pursuing what it means to live an unhurried life. Life with less clutter and hurry and busyness. Life that's marked by rest and margin and mission and relationships. So let me begin with an important question. Do you think that God cares about how much rest you get? Do you think that God has anything to contribute to this issue of rest in our lives? Well, whether your answer is yes or no, I want to invite you to grab your Bible, whether it's physical or it's digital today, and come with me. Find the second book of the Bible. It's called Exodus, and find Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20 is well known because it records the Ten Commandments that Moses gave to Israel from God. It's Israel's moral moral code. It's the the values that they were to live by on on a regular basis every day. And we read in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11, right in the middle of the Ten Commandments, these words. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Thus far God's word. Now, what do these verses, this fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments, what do they teach us? Well, I think there's three things that are really important for us to get today. And the first one is this. God cares a whole lot about our rest. He cares about rest in our lives. Take note of what God commands in these verses. First of all, he tells Israel that they're supposed to work. Verse 9 six days a week you shall labor and do all your work so it's obvious that god's not opposed to the idea of hard work in our lives he says those first six days of the week you should work hard you should do all your work but then he says something else in verse 10 he commands his people to build space for rest into every week of their lives the seventh day god says is a sabbath to the lord your god on it you shall not do any work to put it simply God sets up this rhythm, this cycle of rest, from work to rest, from work to rest. God cares a whole lot about rest in our lives. But that's not all we learn in these verses. There's something more. These these verses teach us about something that's called Sabbath. And God says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The word Sabbath is a very interesting word. The first part of our Bible, the Older, Older Covenant, was originally written in Hebrew. And interestingly, this word Sabbath was never translated from Hebrew to English. It's a Hebrew word that like Hosanna and Amen and Hallelujah is taken right from the uh, Hebrew language and brought into our English Bibles. And this word uh, Sabbath, it's connected to words like heaven and rest and seven in the Bible. But Sabbath specifically means to cease or to stop. So in these verses, God reveals his plan for the Israelites to take every seventh day as a cease day. So think of a ceasefire. Two warring parties are battling with each other. One side makes a proposal that they stop doing what they're doing, take a break, and cease firing for some time. Well, in Exodus chapter 20, God calls for the Israelites to take a cease day every seventh day, to cease from all of the work that they're doing. And what's interesting is that we know from the rest of God's law that this cycle of seven, it didn't just end with the seventh day, that God took it a step further. So at the end of every seventh year was a cycle that he called a Sabbath year. And after seven cycles of seven years, it was the end of a cycle that resulted in a Sabbath of Sabbaths that they called the year of Jubilee. The 50th year was celebrated as a special year of rest. And so, on the seventh day of every week, during every seventh year, at the end of every seven sets of seven years, everyone was to rest from their work. They were to Sabbath. Animals were not to work. Land was to lay follow. All uh, land was to revert to its original owner. Slaves were to be free. Work was to be minimized. You see, God built this idea of Sabbath into the fabric of everyday life for Israel and everything personally, corporately, economically, revolved around this cycle of seven and this concept of rest. It was like God was saying to his people on a regular and consistent basis, I want you to hurry up and slow down. Now, step back from these verses just for a minute with me. In your life right now, who's encouraging you? Who's pushing you? Who's, might we even say, commanding you, if we use what God's doing for Israel in Exodus 20, who's telling you that you need to slow down? Who's telling you to hurry up and slow down? It's not likely that your boss is, because those in charge love long-working, hard-charging people. It's not likely your friends are, because they're trying to live in a way that they're not caught up in the same cultural grind as you are. And if you're working too hard or too much, there's a really good chance that your family's kind of given up trying to convince you to slow down. All of which reminds us that we'd better listen to God because He may be the only one person talking to us about this issue in our lives. So these verses teach us something about rest and something about Sabbath, but I want you to notice one more thing in what they teach they teach us something about ourselves. I want you to take notice of who this command is written to. This fourth command is given to a bunch of slaves. For 400 years, they have served Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, as many hours of the day as he demanded, on as many days of the week as he commanded. For hundreds of years, these Israelites have served a self-proclaimed God who is the God of surplus, always demanding more, more, more. Nothing was ever enough, enough, enough. 24, 7, 7. 365. Give me more. That's not enough. Get get to work. Now, there's this incident back in Exodus chapter five where God shows uh, Moses that he wants him to lead Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And it's an epic fail. When, When Moses first starts with this, it's an absolutely epic failure. And as a result of Moses' actions, Pharaoh doubles down in his demands of these Israeli slaves. He tells his slave drivers and overseers, Stop supplying the Israelites with bricks, uh, a straw for making bricks. Make them go and gather their own straw. And don't lower their daily quota, a single brick. They're lazy. Make their work more difficult so all they can do is focus on their work. Now, as an aside, does anything I've said, just said, sound vaguely familiar? Sometimes it's really good to review. So here's a quick review of what I have said in the last two minutes. I've said, it's not likely that your boss will call you on working too much because bosses love hard-working, hard-charging people. It's not likely your friends will call you on it because they're all caught up in the same cultural grind as you are. And it may even be that your family's totally given up on trying to convince you not to work so hard and work so much and to slow down and rest. They've just given up on that. And then I also said, this fourth commandment was written to a bunch of slaves. For years, they've served someone as many hours of the day, as many days of the week as he wanted them to. And the one who ruled their lives was the God of surplus, always demanding more, never, never was anything they produced enough. 24-7, 365, give me more, give me more. That's not enough, that's not enough. Get to work. Does this sound familiar to you? Have you had any of these thoughts going through your head? Has this been your experience in life? I was just wondering. Now, let's get back on track. Eventually, God uses Moses to to get Israel out of Egypt. And these lifelong slaves now belong to God. They've gone from being under the God of surplus to belonging to the God who is the God of enough, the God who supplies all that they need. But he supplies just enough and just in time. And this God puts work in its place And then defines what enough is for his people. Perhaps you've watched a movie telling the story of some people who are going through a very difficult time. Let's say it's a war time. And they save every scrap of food. And they save every ounce of water because it's so difficult. And then suddenly they're rescued. And... They keep on trying to hide food in their pockets and hide water in their coats in order to survive until someone finally comes along and tells them not to worry about it anymore. They don't have to do that anymore because it's a new day and things have changed. That's these Israelites. They're nomads. They're homeless. They're countryless. They're stuck in the wilderness. And for them, a successful day is another day of survival in the wilderness. Think about how easy it would have been for these Israelites to become slaves to work in order to survive. It's all they've ever known. And yet God commands them to do the totally counterintuitive thing. He says, I want you to Sabbath every seventh day. Stop, cease, no more, that's enough. And by this command, God makes Israel look to him as their provider. To obey God, they must trust him to help them make it through the seventh day without working. One more time, to obey God, they must trust God to help them make it through that seventh day without work. Now this is where our world intersects with Israel's world back in Exodus chapter 20. This has huge application to us because we so easily do the same thing that Israel is going to be tempted to do. They must have heard this commandment from God and immediately thought to themselves, How in the world am I? How in the world are we going to survive taking every seventh day off as a cease day? No way we can do that. I have so much that I need to do. I am so far behind. I'm so busy. If we're honest, we're enslaved to the God of surplus. So step back. We expect that this event happened in Israel's history about 1280 BC. So it's about 3300 years ago. So let's go from where God gave Moses this commandment on the Sinai Peninsula somewhere to here in Alberta today. Oh, let's take it from so long ago, 1280 BC, and bring it to today, 2020. And let's just ask ourselves the question, what does this mean for us? What does this story from Exodus chapter 20, this command from Exodus chapter 20, mean for us as Canadians who live as people of hurry in the way that we do? You may remember the Red Queen in Alice in Wonderland who's describing life in her country to Alice in a way that's reminiscent of many of our lives today. And the Red Queen says to Alice, now here, here, you see, it takes all the running you can do to keep in the same place. If you want to get somewhere else, you must run at least twice as fast as that. Now, doesn't that sound like the world that we live in? So to those of you with enough courage to admit what life is like in your country, in your life, in your home, in your workplace, I want to give two specific applications of this principle of rest to our lives. The first one has to do with spiritual rest, and the second one has to do with physical rest. So practice number one, spiritual rest. When you stand back from this fourth of ten commandments, it becomes clear that remembering the Sabbath is about more than just taking a day off each week. There's something more going on here and you especially read that, to understand that as you read the rest of the Bible. God uses this command about rest and time and work to teach the Israelites not to do life in their frenzied chosen way. He's teaching them about something bigger. In the days ahead, God is gonna make three big promises to his people. One, he's gonna promise that he will protect them from their enemies. Two, to this people who are bankrupt and homeless, he's going to say, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a place to live. And third, he's going to say, I'm going to give you rest and peace in that land. So they get protection, they get land, and they get rest. And as the books that follow Exodus reveal, God fulfills those promises one by one as we walk through the first five books of the Old Testament. God is teaching his people that they can rely on him and totally trust him, not only to save them, but to provide them with everything they need in life. And at this point, having come out of the horrific experience of Egypt, they need to learn to find their life and their rest in him. When you begin to read the New Testament, you suddenly discover that God uses this illustration of Old Testament Israel to teach us about ourselves, that we too must find our life and find our rest in God. Hebrews 4.1 says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. And Hebrews 4.9 says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his let us therefore make every effort to enter God's rest. The first, the greatest, the foremost place where you need to find rest first is, your, is spiritual rest. If I did not begin with this today, I would fail you as a preacher. Each of us enters the world equipped with a very important spiritual element to our lives. We are spiritual beings with spiritual needs and God invites us to enter his spiritual rest by entering and walking in relationship with him. Maybe you've never come to a place of experiencing God's rest. Maybe you've never experienced the Sabbath I'm talking about that the scriptures speak about. Maybe you're working to attain salvation or to go to heaven. Maybe you're trying to be a good person. Maybe you have a list in your mind of all the things you do do and don't do in order to be able to go to heaven. Somehow, Many people have in their minds a list of the things they need to have in place in life in order to get across the line of salvation. And like the Israelites who needed to stop working on that seventh day and trust that God would take care of them and they didn't need to work, you need to stop working for your salvation. You need to enter God's rest, God's Sabbath, because as Hebrews four puts it, the promise of entering his rest still stands. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So how do you do that? How do you enter God's Sabbath rest? Well, first of all, you accept what God did for you so that you don't have to work for your own salvation. Accept what he did by sending his son to die on the cross for you. Tell God that you need his rest, that you're a sinner who can't deal with your sin on your own, but you need him to forgive you of your sins and make you a new person. So place your faith, place your trust, In God to save you and give you a new life and give you his rest. Romans 5:1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me ask you a very important question. It's the most important question I could ask you right now. Have you entered God's rest? Because if you haven't, Jesus says to you exactly what he says in Matthew 28, verses 28 through 30 come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls he says trust in me i will save you i will walk with you through life i will give you my rest i will give you my strength in the mistakes you make i will give you wisdom in the challenging seasons of life i will give you rest in the midst of pain so that's Spiritual rest. Now, there's another second application I want to close with today. It's related again to this principle of rest. I want to talk about physical rest. I recently read a Swiss experiment which studied the body's need for oxygen. And in the end, the study concluded that the way we're living our lives today, with the elevated levels of stress and anxiety that we have, with the longer and more intense work days that we have, with the less sleep that we have going on, every day our bodies are actually expending more oxygen in the course of a day than we're able to recover at night while we sleep. And this is becoming a huge problem because we live on oxygen, we thrive on oxygen. And that study reminds us that it is easy for us to push away our need for rest. But when we ignore that need and we ignore God's eternal principle, of our need for Sabbath, we do so at our own peril. When we refuse to live the way God designed us to and we get into this continuous, non-stop cycle of work, 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 we're on dangerous ground. We cannot shop till we drop and somehow pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and then go out and do it all over again and again and again and again. Some breakage will come. And as with our need for spiritual rest, we need physical rest. As someone once said, there's more to life than increasing its speed. You know, the scriptures teach us that God values physical rest. He's our creator. He built this need for rest into our physiology. He's our savior. He deliberately built into our weekly lives this need for Sabbath. But scripture also teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and we glorify God in how we use our bodies. He tells us in Psalm 127 that it's vain to burn the candles at both ends. The psalmist warns against, we're getting up early and staying up late. Psalm four verse eight, applauds sleep as a blessing that accompanies a relationship with God. It says, I will lay down in peace and sleep for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. And then Psalm 116 verse seven reminds us to remind ourselves of our need for sleep. Return to your rest, O oh my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. You see, we need to set a priority of physical rest. Wise living and obedience to Scripture call for it. So, how do we do that? Well, I'm gonna talk more about that next week, but I wanna give you some homework for this week. I wanna invite you to an experiment of living the unhurried life this week in this area of rest. And here's what I want you to do in this experiment. I wanna ask you to do and invite you to do three things. First of all, I want you to commit to getting a good night's sleep every night this week. Plan for it. Go to bed early enough that it can actually happen and that you're likely to wake up without an alarm being set. And if that means going to bed earlier than normal, do it. Give it a shot and experiment with this. So commit to getting a good night's sleep every night this week. Number two, sit down and look at your life and try to identify two or three non-essentials in your life. You know, habits that you often give into that upon reflection are a waste of time. Stuff that you routinely do without even thinking that controls your life and takes you away from what is truly essential, what is truly important. And then see if you can go these next seven days without engaging in those two or three non-essentials use your extra time to sleep to spend time doing the stuff that's important to you with god with your family with friends with neighbors out in recreation nature and then thirdly make every effort at every moment to enter into god's rest this week when a problem arises whether that problem is related to home or work whether it's relational or financial or physical whatever deliberately look to god and ask him to help you to rest in him. Look to him, talk to him, go to him, confess what's wrong to him, tell him about the problem you're facing, and then ask him for his help, ask him for his wisdom, and ask him for his peace. And allow him to lead you into the rest that he offers to us. You know, one of the interesting things about Jamie and I is that we have five daughters, and we had them in the course of six years and 10 months. So now we ended up, we've got five girls, we've got four son-in-laws, we've got four granddaughters, we've got four grandsons. And one of our most wonderful of daughters is our number three daughter. Her name is Kara. She's about to turn 30, but when she was eight or nine or ten years old, she had a horrific time falling asleep and staying asleep. So often we would have a visit with a knock at our door late into the evening. And to help her deal with her inability to sleep, we would talk about how God watches over her. And we would end by praying the Lord's Prayer together. And I would begin by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, and she would say, Hallowed be your name. And then I would say, Your kingdom come. And she would say, Your will be done. And so on and so forth. It would go until the end of our prayer together. And what we're trying to teach her is that there's a God who watches over her, a God who never slumbers and never sleeps. And he is always watching her. You see, Karen needed, like I need, and like you need, to realize that we can depend on God for all things, for everything, for anything. And for some of you, especially those of you who are most in need of rest, whether it's spiritual or it's physical today, the greatest thing I could tell you as we close is that there's this great big God who cares about you more than you could ever know, who loves you more than you realize who has a plan for your life and is working on his plan for you right now and this week he will lead you and he will love you and he will guide you and direct you and convict you by his Holy Spirit he will do all those things and one of the best of all the promises he made in Scripture is that he never slumbers he never sleeps and his eyes roam to and fro throughout the earth looking to strongly support those whose hearts are devoted to God. And you can find your rest in him today and this week. And that's my prayer, that that would happen. So have a great week this week.